I have some exciting news for you. I've been working hard to create something just for you and it's officially live. It's a free quiz to help you determine your personal path to stop binge eating. That means by just taking two minutes to complete this quiz, you'll discover my three proven approaches for ending the vicious binge guilt cycle. And you'll find out which approach you should take based on your binge eating personality, which I call the food zombie. Not only will you find out what path is best for you, I'll even give you a step-by-step -step framework for bringing binge eating to an end. So head on over to wholesomelifestyleproject.com work with me quiz right now to find out your next steps to feel in control of food and feel good about your body. I mean it. Go and take the quiz right now. Don't wait one more second. So head on over to wholesomelifestyleproject.com work with me quiz. It's waiting for you to take your first step. I cannot wait to see how this will shift your relationship with food. So wholesomelifestyleproject.com, work with me, quiz, to get started in building body confidence and feeling credible in your own skin. Let's get into this episode. Welcome to Beyond Overeating by Wholesome Lifestyle Project, the overeating podcast, where I'll be showing up weekly to share with you what I've learned during my binge eating recovery, helpful tools such as yoga, mindfulness, and energy medicine. My name is Stell, and my purpose is to inform and ed educate so that you can fast track your recovery in healing your relationship with food and finally trust yourself around the peanut butter jar. Join me as I share top tips, my struggles and triumphs to help inspire or just entertain. Remember, there's nothing wrong with you if you can't stop overeating. That's why I'm here to guide you along the way. This episode is brought to you by my one and only food and mood journal. This is an eight week food and mood journal and planner for beginners, where you can track how food affects your mood, your hunger, and your energy levels. Are you sick and tired of promising yourself to stop binge eating? Do you feel out of control with food and you just don't know why you overeat? You might have intense cravings leading to self-sabotage. My food and mood journal is the perfect tool to help you tune into your signals that your body sends you. And by tracking what you eat and drink will help you give insight on how food affects your moods. This is a eight week kickstart to mindful eating to help you identify the triggers that make you wanna eat when you're not physically hunger. So this includes a food tracker, a mood and stress tracker, because we know that stress eating can also lead to overeating. We also have an eight week goals tracker with journal prompts and affirmations. You'll also track things like your water intake and exercise. It makes a beautiful gift for anyone who feels out of control with food. It's an easy to use journal and it will give you just the insights to help you get on the path to stop binge eating, emotional eating, or any other form of overeating. So get your food and mood journal today by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you. Welcome back to the Beyond Overeating podcast by Wholesome Lifestyle Project. My name is Stel Heath, binge and emotional eating recovery specialist. I am on a mission to help a million women end the obsession with food and release the shame and guilt they have uh, with their bodies. And today I have a really special guest, uh, Matthew Norton, who will be chatting with us about emotions and how we can approach them a little bit better, which is something most of my clients and most of my listeners struggle with. They find that they tend to lean to food when things get a bit emotional. So welcome, Matthew. Thank you. It's, I've been looking forward to our conversation today. <laughs> 
So, yeah, it was so, so lovely having you here. Matthew and I have been planning this for quite a while, so we're excited to delve into this topic today. We will be talking about how to expand your emotional skills for greater freedom, success, and joy, which I think all of us need nowadays um, because we feel like, you know, emotions, we don't have time for emotions or it's not the place to have emotions. So I'm excited to get going in and uncovering all these amazing things that you'll be sharing with us today. Thank you. <laughs> so just a quick little um, intro about Matthew. Uh, he has been a business owner since the 1980s and an expert in human behavior and cognitive science determining how and why people do what they do. His lifelong passion is providing insights and strategies that set people free to fulfill their purpose, live their best life and achieve success they're seeking. He's a creator of numerous innovative assessments that provide unique insights into people's key strengths and signature styles leading to improved self-awareness. And I'm excited to talk about these because I've done one of your assessments and I'm excited to be rolling this out to my clients as well. Uh, these assessments also help you interpret an uh, interpersonal understanding, communication and collaboration. Matthew is the founder of, and owner of People Plus Purpose. And Matthew and his wife live in San Diego, California. Together, they have five children and five grandchildren through a very complicated blended family. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, Matthew, did you just want to tell us a little bit more about your life, where you come from, your family and hobbies? Let's hear a little bit more about you. Yeah, well, I, my, from a career perspective, I for 33 years, had a practice as a doctor of chiropractic and uh, loved every minute of patient care. Uh, I ended up, uh, I don't even know if I shared this with you, I ended up writing a book uh, called <laughs> Where Does It Hurt? that looks really at body, mind, emotion, spirit elements as to where that hurt can come from, which you know I think fits in nicely with some of the work that you're doing as well but it was the writing of that book that began to turn the the story a little bit for me and I, I continued in practice for years after that but I also started in I started speaking and doing media opportunities to share some of the messages of the miraculous things that I'd seen occurring in people and ultimately through no intention of my own, conscious intention of my own, I ended up having people starting to say they wanted to find out how they could do some of the things I was doing. And that was the beginning of coaching training that I'm doing now. Uh, I was always just serving the public. I never was trying to uh, to see if I could help better equip business, other business owners and leaders to be able to succeed in the human part of their business, but that's where it's ended up. <laughs> and when I look back on why some of like, why I care about some of what I'm doing, I, I grew up really from very early on in a broken home. And as a result of that, I was not connected. As you mentioned, my business is people plus purpose. I had nobody with wisdom giving clarity about purpose. And I really did not have the relationship support guidance that I needed and had to figure out way too much of it on my own. So that I think has driven me uh, to want to, you mentioned about helping set people free to accomplish, to be fulfilled to their purpose. And, and that's, that's really what I'm been about for for a long time and the, and the biggest thing that triggered that I think with greater clarity was when I had been married the first time for less than three years I had just adopted just a little window into that complicated blended family for a second <laughs> I had adopted my first wife's twin five-year-old daughters and then within a matter of weeks she had a heart attack and died so unexpectedly, here I am with twin five-year-olds, and the reason I have them is now gone. And as part of that healing, 
I made a commitment that if I could have a life that felt like it was worth living again, that I would dedicate the rest of my life to helping other people find and experience that as well. So that's, that's what, that's really why this many years later, I'm here with you still. Oh, amazing. And I just love the work that you do. And your story is just so powerful. You've, you know, you've really transformed, you know, some of your hardships into some amazing work. And you're just so giving um, in, you know, your, you know, even just in some of our conversations, just so much of a, an amazing heart. So I'm so, so happy that you're here sharing with us today. And so how did this all start um, kind of evolve into a self-awareness assessment? Uh, that started from a mentor of mine back in um, the late 90s, I think it was 97, that first exposed me to assessments. And it was really from a business perspective uh, to kind of aid hiring insights, who are the best people to hire. And that is part of what I use assessments for to this day. Um, so, but it was over time that I realized that those same assessments that guided many different elements in the business world also applied equally well to, to the things that we can better understand about ourselves for any part of our lives, but also for our personal relationships too. So I've used these assessments to, uh, to help guide marriage coaching. There are the same human problems of lack of understanding of ourselves and others, the, the difficulty with communication, with being able to do life better together, whether we're collaborating business-wise or trying to share a home and, and build a family, <laughs> it's the same things, right? These are just the ways that make us uniquely different also become either the things that are complementary and make life wonderful, or they can make us crazy and lead to life being kind of miserable. And thus, so many relationships don't end well. People walk away in work environments, people walk away in marriages and leave families. And so my, my what's developed over time is mostly a work-focused uh, improving leaders and teams and hiring and personalized development within a business. But I, I have a strong passion for the personal applications as well. Mm -hmm. And you touched on a really good point there. Um, the way we do one thing is how we do everything. And when our relationships um, might be off in a certain way. You might see that relationship in your food or your relationship with your body also, you know, or maybe your relationship with your spirituality might be off as well. So self-awareness is really so important. And I think, you know, like the assessments that you provide and the work that you do give people that, um, you know, awareness first of all and then also some tools to actually move in a direction where they can actually shift their behaviors and their beliefs and ultimately just how they show up in the world mm -hmm. yes yeah, so it's hard to keep our emotions into little the ways we show up into little boxes right they don't it doesn't stay in those little compartments <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely not. And, you know, just from my own perspective, you know, dealing with grief from, you know, the loss of my, my father recently, it's just amazing how like certain emotions um, you, that normally wouldn't bother me all of a sudden is accelerated or, you know, there's days where everything is fine and other days I'm like an emotional little heap, you know, <laughs> and right. yeah. And I think what's what I'm realizing through this process even more because you know I've 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 come in a long way with understanding my emotions. Um, I'm not saying that I'm like you know 100% there, but I'm realizing that we need to be agile, <laughs> which we'll be talking about about just how they show up for us and being accepting as well as to how they present um, day in and day out and allowing them to be different and show up differently is also really important. 
Yeah, I one of my one of my favorite quotes is uh, by Vincent Van Gogh. He said that let's not forget that the little emotions are the great captains of our lives, and we obey them without realizing it. Mm. And it has a bit of a you know of a spin that doesn't sound totally positive, but but I believe it's accurate that we can we can be captive and enslaved by those emotions leading to inappropriate eating choices for one of many things, right? Yeah. But also the decisions that we make across all elements of our lives are affected by that. Um, I like the statement that people in business, people drive performance, but emotions drive people. So yes. our behavior is really <laughs> driven by those emotions. And even though we, we fancy the thought, that we are making rational, intellectual, you know, pro-con weighing decisions. We really are making emotional decisions and then looking for some sort of rational support as to why we made them, to tell ourselves why that <laughs> made some sense or to tell other people if they should confront us and say, why, why did you do that? Well, I did it because, you know, yeah, and that's often not really why we did it. <laughs> So the more we can become aware, then the more empower, empowerment we have to be able to make some better choices. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that just takes me back to something that I mentioned on one of my podcasts uh, a few weeks ago, and that is our personality is made up of our thoughts. Our thoughts drive how we feel, our emotions, and it's the emotions that actually drive our behavior. Yes. very good yeah <laughs> and so we need to make sure that we understand what's triggering our thoughts or um what's triggering our thoughts because the emotion is what's driving our behavior like you're saying so um i would love to dive into emotional agility and what that is yeah, so emotional agility, so, so emotions, you know, just to think about what emotions are, emotions are really, according to one of my favorite authors, Candace Pert, she's since passed away, but she wrote this great book called Molecules of Emotion. It was very influential kind of in, in my work and my development. And, you know, she's, it's, that book is a, a bit, it could be a little geeky, sciencey, you know, but because she's a woman writing it, I think she does a better job than a lot of men would with the topic material in, in making it, it's more story driven and, and you can feel her in it as she, as she's writing and the way she captures this, but she talks about, this was written a number of years ago, but she talks about the, our emotions are actually this flow of neurochemical messenger molecules through our bodies that are connecting mind to body. So this whole body-mind network that is more understood now than it was when that book was written, uh, she was really onto something. She was actually the, the discoverer of the endorphin opiate receptors. And so before they knew that there were opiates within the body naturally occurring, she discovered the receptor for them. That these, wow. that these molecules bind onto. But she described emotions as being this flow, like it's a musical cascade, this flow of neurochemical information that's connecting our thoughts to our bodies and, and back the other way again, right? So emotions, then emotional agility would be the ability to tune into the music that's being played? Like, what is the music that's being played within us? What's, what's the tone of it? And can we note that? And then to be agile, not only in the awareness, but in our ability to guide and manage that within ourselves. And then what, how, how can we influence how that goes across to noticing that in other people and then helping other people from an emotional perspective with intention, right? Making that something that's intentional. So emotional agility is really the awareness and kind of effective uh, engagement, I guess, 
with our own and other people's emotions so that we can make choices for a better life to use that flow of neurochemistry in a constructive way because it can equally be destructive mm, yeah absolutely and you know so that I was my sciencey <laughs> answer uh, uh, trying to have it be life applied <laughs> <laughs> oh that's it's, it's really well said and that you know i think there's so much for us to learn in a society where emotion is pretty much ignored or we've been taught not to be emotional um even though like you said we actually act on emotion all the time <laughs> the, it's just the expression of emotion that's sometimes asked not to to show or you know to hide mm -hmm. um what kind of impact does that have on people that you work with or just what you've learned throughout the years I, I agree with a number of authors kind of in this topic area that it's really that emotional agility or emotional intelligence is probably the most foundational skill set for success. And that's going to be success in personal relationships as well as business. Psychologist Daniel Goldman says that 80% of adult success comes from emotional agility, 80%. A company called Talent Smart looked at 33 different workplace skill sets and found it to be the most important indicator of success in the workplace. So they say we that people with higher emotional agility tend to be happier, they tend to have less negative stress, they tend to make more money, uh, they tend to experience greater fulfillment. So there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons and in my what I call the core four of assessments that I do in the workplace, which is emotional agility coupled with the learning about the inspiration sources of the person, their action approach or behavioral way of approaching people and tasks, and also their cognitive styles. How do they naturally think? When I'm, when I'm debriefing those insights, I'll tell people that the, the the, the, found, the, the most important one is the emotional agility as to whether you should hire them for any role in the company. But the more, if you're going to invest in somebody long-term, you want to make sure that's again, investing in marriage as well, right? That's a long-term <laughs> investment. Uh, you want to make sure that the person is going to be capable of navigating emotions well. Yep, absolutely. Um, and that makes so much sense. Um, and, you know, I think um, from a hiring perspective, from that makes sense for companies to actually look at those kind of things because, you know, people tend to burn out or they tend to, you know, handle things in different ways. So I, I think that that would be extremely, uh, extremely helpful. So would you say that emotional, um, experiencing emotions is important for us. Yeah, I mean, I think that if it's, if it's driving us, if, if it's emotions that are driving people, then it would be nice to both know where we're being driven and maybe select an off-ramp <laughs> in case that it's those emotions are taking us down a road that really isn't going to be constructive. And so a lot of that is looking at what are some of our what are some of our states? You know, what what state am I in at any given moment? And uh, I forgot to go over with you before we hopped on here in terms of my ability to share screen. Do I have permissions? Yes, let, let's just quickly do that. Um, just expand this. I was actually just looking for the um, for your handouts. I wasn't too sure if you wanted me to share that. You should be able to share your screen now. <laughs> okay, let's see if that gives us what we're looking for. Yeah. So this was a this is a diagram I've taught off of this in different incarnations of it for you know 25 years probably and I've created different versions depending on who my audience is but 
to me, this is important when we're speaking about emotions, then we're talking about in, if emotions are this, this chemical flow of information through our body, then how we're feeling, our state of experience of life, are we in a place of joy and peace and more high positive stress? And, and let, me, let me back up for a second and say, when we look at this, what we're seeing just in a nutshell in this quadrant is when we're going from the bottom up, we are increasing stress or we are increasing challenges. I'm equating stress with simply taking on challenges. Life is about taking on challenges. But is that stress going to be positive, which is on the right half of this diagram? Or is it going to be more negative, which is on the left half? So then what's going to determine that going from left to right on the bottom is the skill sets and strategies that we can bring to bear of body, mind, and spirit. Sometimes we need to know a new, we need new information. Like I'm not thriving in this thing I'm doing because I don't have enough knowledge about it. Sometimes I don't have the right mindset about something. Sometimes emotionally I'm challenged. Sometimes uh, my, my spirit is off. Sometimes I'm just simply tired or I'm feeling sick. Well, all of those things will be factors and many, many more subtleties in those skills and strategies that are gonna determine whether we're gonna spend more time on the left half of this diagram or more time on the right. So ideally, uh, in a business environment and really through the bulk of our day, we want to be operating in that upper right of high positive stress where we're going to work, we're taking on challenges, we come home and we're with kids or we're with friends, we're with, you know, we are going to have the challenge of, of interfacing with other people, right? We have these interpersonal things that we don't know where that's going to take us. We don't know what's going to come up in conversations when they go uh, out to eat. We don't know well, what service are we going to get or uh, do we even get to go out to eat, <laughs> uh, <laughs> depending on the time and the place. Um, but so we, we want to be spending as much time as possible there. So that's, that's a positive stress state, high stress, but it's where we experience success and joy. We fulfill our purpose there. Uh, we need to intersperse that with unstringing the bow and being able to relax. We have the skills and strategies, right? But we are reducing the challenges for recovery, right? We're rebalancing, we're then we're ready to hit the world again and take on the challenges again of another day. Uh, what happens is that we end up because we are lacking some skills or strategies with the body, mind, and spirit. When we face certain challenges, then we end up with overwhelm or kind of perceiving things through more of a negative tone that takes us to high negative stress. We don't go down to low negative. We tend to go from high positive to high negative. We start to feel turbulence in our, in our system. We start to feel anxiety or frustration or worry about something. And then the challenge is if we don't know how to get back to flow, we don't know what it was that was distressing us. We don't have the skills of body, mind, and spirit. Over time, it it gets harder to get back to the right and we end up reducing the challenges and we end up more in this depressed, low negative stress state where we start to get more passive and paralyzed and feel more apathetic, right? So when you think even about eating, right? When you, when you, when you look at this diagram and picture where is positive, constructive, helpful eating, and where are we eating from a place? And this is part of our conversation early on, right? When you and I were meeting and chatting about this <laughs> is, is where are people tending to get caught when they are not making the best choices for themselves about how they eat, how they approach eating. And I think most people would say that those decisions are coming as a way to try to manage their state over here or to try to get it to go back to the right. Does that, does that fit for you when you hear me say that? Or what would you add to that? You know, I think also the um, high anxiety, the worry and frustration is often the reason why people start using food as avoidance. Mm -hmm. And it becomes, like you say, if you don't, I 
absolutely agree. If we keep in that pattern, um, eventually you go into that paralysis, the passivity, it becomes a habit. You know, most of my clients, um, you know, feel that they are addicted, that their brains switch off when it comes to food. And that just is an indication of using food has no longer become a choice. It's right. now just an automatic response to previous emotional um, I, I call them emotional wounds, but emotional triggers like like you were, like these the top high anxiety negative stresses you've got on here. Yes, and, and the research shows that the brain really does rewire around the when we so that the more time we spend on the left, especially in the lower left, that when stresses come, we start to automatically perceive them through the lens of negativity and kind of more of a victim place, right? I don't know, I'm probably not going to be able to succeed or thrive in this. I'm probably not going to be able to get back to a good place, mm. which leads to a lot of choices that are not helpful, right? Because if I can't even get there, then why yeah. bother anyway? Yeah. If I yeah. can't be successful in breaking this habit pattern I don't like, then why not just give into it more? Oh, I don't Maybe trust I myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't trust myself. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things I worked with my clients this morning is building up trust that you can actually do this. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why most of us don't seek for help, whether you, you know, in an eating disorder or, you know, other, um, other addictive patterns or, you know, not that eating disorders are addictive um, patterns, but, you know, like other patterns, um, you really, it's because you feel like you won't be able to, you know, stop or you, you don't just, you don't trust yourself that you will be able to make those changes. And, you know, we have a lot of thoughts and a lot of emotions that support that belief. <laughs> and that's often why we keep ourselves um, in these low depressed states like you're talking about here. And I'm imagining too, when you're doing your work with people and correct me if I'm wrong or add whatever you would, that, um, that awareness, right, of what they're doing, maybe why they're doing it, but what they're doing when they're doing it, what, what outcomes they're looking for, or what they can connect that to, to other parts of their life that they're you know, positively wanting maybe mm -hmm. to improve that I'm imagining we haven't really discussed that at any length, but it, I'm imagining that's a key. Those are key elements in what you're doing with your clients. Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, we've mentioned the, the thoughts. So we start with like understanding the thought processes around food. How do they, how do they think about food? A lot of my clients are anxious um, they fear food actually because of the fact that they can't trust themselves and they feel they'll just go back into these patterns. So we bring awareness to that, but we also bring awareness to the fact that you can do things. So, um, which is also important. I think, you know, we often just want to focus on the, the um, more the, the behavior, but we also need to focus on the vision sometimes yes. Yes. <laughs> and have, because that's one thing that will actually lead you into some recovery and rebalancing is shifting that belief that I, I can actually do this. This is possible for me. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I love that. And, and I think that's a good segue point to just hop over to the one other, uh, uh sliders uh, image that I wanted to be able to show here, which is from the report of our full emotional agility assessment. And we're going to uh, certainly invite everybody who's watching to, uh, to be able to take a free three minute short version of this assessment. It doesn't give a full report like this with different, this different categories described and kind of, uh, uh, pointing you the specific areas that you need to improve because there's not enough information in there, but it's, it gives you a feel for what that would be. And then you could decide if you wanted to, to go further with this, but just to, to connect these, 
these first three on the left, so starting, I was, we were talking about self-awareness, right? So self-awareness and impact speaks to being able to tune into uh, what you're feeling, what's going on with you at the time. And that's kind of where I connected over to the states of experience to say, at any given moment, and I encourage people to print out and I can, I can, you know, you've got a copy of this, right? Yes. So this is something you can share. I encourage people to who really want to improve in these areas to print this diagram out and to have check-in points where they can see, well, where am I right now? And is that where I want to be? You know, am I relaxing when I should actually be in more of a flow state or am I in anxiety? And if that's not being constructive right now, what can I do? So it starts with being able to say, where, what is my state? How self-aware can I be? Can I kick that up if that's low? And this is a, this is an actual person that turned this into a, into a demo. This is a doctor that, uh, that I've been working with. This was his first uh, taking of this. And also the impact piece means what's the impact on the people around me. So not only am I aware of my state, but if I'm in anxiety, uh, what, what are other people getting from that? What am I bringing to them in the process? The second one, and these first three moving from left to right are, are within the person and the last two are interpersonal. So intrapersonal and the last two are interpersonal. The second one is once I am aware of my state, what do, what do I do about it? How good am I at learning from it, right? Uh, so if you were aware of something from an eating perspective, just to try to keep it in some of the context of what you do, then, uh, then A, what can I choose differently once I'm aware of that? What are my options for choice? How could I modify my state? But it's not always just trying to change the state. Like in a lot of work environments, I've got these emotions going on. Well, it's not constructive for my performance nor the people around me if I'm now angry about something. I need to manage that effectively, right? Mm -hmm. Get myself back to flow so I can produce and and you know, take care of clients or customers and you know, whatever that is and serve them well, right? But also it's not just a matter of shifting that always, it's a matter of self-management is, can I also sit with that and learn from it in terms of what are the triggers and what can we do different? What are my options for what we can do differently? But the other thing I wanna say one more thing and then again, get your input on this, is you mentioned about vision. You, you mentioned about grabbing a hold of what matters to a person, right? As part of their having a breakthrough. So that's kind of what this interesting one is that sits in the middle, inspired engagement. What am I doing? What am I contributing? Uh, because I'm inspired to contribute. I'm engaging because something matters on the inside of me. I have a deeper purpose that matters. Therefore, maybe I don't want to continue to choose to eat this way because that's not going to support this inspired engagement I have. And a lot of times what I find with people is that, and what the research supports behind this, is that instead of having this inspired engagement from within, people haven't tapped into that and they're doing a lot of what they're doing because of a carrot or stick outside. They're doing it because there's going to be a, a consequence. I have to show up because I'm going to get in trouble or I'm not going to get money or I'm not, people aren't going to like me or that's not inspired engagement from the inside. That's an externally derived reason for doing things. Not horrible, just not empowering. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how that's that's what it made me think of when you said we're working with them to clarify a vision of something better that they want. Right. Yeah. So that's where I think if people took this assessment and saw if they answer and I always encourage people, be rigorously honest with yourself. Don't try to make it look good to somebody else. Be honest so that you can see where you need help. And if you're going to work with somebody to coach you then to improve, you have a reasonably accurate starting place. And when that shows up weaker, then I usually that's one of the areas I'll work with is trying to help them tune into what is that deeper driving purpose that would give them a reason for changing these other things to the left. Yeah.
Yeah. And, you know, from, from my experience, usually that external driver that you were talking about is based on a physical appearance. So mm. most people, when they start working with me, they want these things because they want certain goals on the scale or fit into certain clothes. And as we move through the process, they realize that those things are not really what matters. It's about how they feel and how they, um, you know, there's a difference between feeling empowered when it comes to just walking past a pastry aisle versus feeling enslaved and like mm. a complete victim yes. um, and powerless, you know, and how that's kind of um, their minds actually shift. Like it's, it's amazing, probably like three, four weeks in, they're like, well, my physical goals are no longer as important to me, but what I want to start seeing is a better relationship with myself. Yes. I want to see and feel confident within me, regardless of what I look like on the outside. Yes. And, you know, if we have to talk about um, the mainstream diet industry and what they, you know, their main mission and what they sell to us is if you act in this way, if you restrict your food, if you go on these heavy restrictive diets, if you over-exercise, then you are going to get this superficial result. You are right. going to look good in your bikini. And I'm putting that in very <laughs> risky um, terms here because right. they know that it's not going to last. They know that you'll be back, back on their diet book or back on their detox a few months later because it wasn't sustainable. The reasons for the change was on that um, behavioral level instead of the um, habitual level. And I think, you know, it's, and that's just unfortunately how, I don't know how you feel, Matthew, but like how culturally we've been conditioned into thinking that, you know, um, and certain statements that I would see, see and read on magazines since a little child was this mum who's lost weight, you know, or the celebrity who's lost weight. And the first thing they say, the headline is, she's so much happier now. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's lost 20 pounds, so much happier now, you know, um, or so-and-so's miracle diet cure. She feels more confident in her own skin yes. uh, and that's how we that's how I think we get ourselves so confused in the fact of looking for these external drivers um, and I think this is really really great um, getting this assessment done so that you can start looking at the the more internal drivers so yeah that's yeah no, I, that's, I, think, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's perfect and I, I, we're probably running out of time here but just to connect to these last two briefly is because I you know we're called to love one another right we're, we're we're and and I believe that that love is greatly about service right the ability that if I love somebody that I want to see how I can serve them how can I do something to make their life better so these last two are the interpersonal elements so which start with having a compassionate understanding of somebody else do I listen do I notice do I care can I put myself in their shoes uh, and then the relationship influence speaks to once I do that then Am I about reaching across to make a difference to actually doing something with my greater insight about where this other person may be? So my point in saying that is that even though the some of these changes that we're talking about for greater health, for tapping even into our a, a deeper purpose, that while those may be within the person, those are the, that provides the strength of foundation to be able to reach out and serve other people and sustain it, right? I can, if I, this is, these first three to me are filling my glass so that in the last two, I can spill that glass over with good stuff onto other people. Mm. But if I'm struggling, 
on a regular basis. If I'm back on living on the left half of this diagram most of the time, how, how much am I going to be inclined to positively be spilling over onto others? And am I going to know how to do that anyway? It's not going to be what naturally occurs. So if we can improve our ability to live on the right half of this, and we can use then some of these emotional skill sets to accomplish that, now I have something to, I, I, I'll be more fulfilled on the inside, right? And then the outside will follow to your point. We don't need to mask and manage, we transform from the inside. And mm -hmm. then we can have these outside results. It was like somebody uh, a while back, we were talking about success and they were saying, you know, once I'm more successful, that I'll be happy. And the answer really with that is no, get happy and you'll be more successful. You know, change your state and you will naturally, you'll have a much more natural uh, connection to success than I've got to become successful from wherever I'm stuck and then I'll be happy. Yeah, probably not going to work. <laughs> oh so comments or questions about any of that, Stel, that anybody that might reflect anything anybody else would want to know before we end that? No, I think that was very comprehensive and it makes so much sense. And, you know, like, I mean, I think there's this, um, what I want to mention is, Often now in the health industry, there's this thing about filling your cup, you know, and people then post pictures of themselves getting a massage or their nails done. <laughs> and yes, that's important, you know, looking after your body or, you know, like treating your body is important. But I think we need to start with the emotional cup, you know, if you can have as many pedicures or massages as you like. If you're not looking after yourself emotionally, mentally, then it's not really going to be long lasting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the older that I get, which <laughs> somehow seems to be happening, and I'm not sure where all the time goes, but the more I realize that this doesn't last forever, and what is it that between now and the day it ends, and I'm always reminded by my first wife at the age of 34, her life suddenly being finished, uh, that, you know, what is, what is the contribution we're here to make? What is my purpose for being here? And so to your point earlier, if we're caught only on the surface reasons for things, we're not really gonna get down to, am I engaged in a fulfilling way in some of the deeper purposes of my contribution. Not that you have to stress over that. None of that is about stress. It's simply being open and seeking that. And I think emotions either equip us for that and serve us better, or they make it harder for us to get to that place. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of why I think I, 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 I'm very much driven to help people with their purpose. Therefore, people plus purpose is the name of my company. But it's those emotions are a big part of what frees up, I think, the opportunity to maximize the people and the purpose in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So, such a good point. Well, Matthew, um, I know I had like a bunch of questions, but I'm also just sensitive that you probably have something else on. So, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. I know you mentioned that you have a few um, things for us. For those listening to this podcast episode, please hop on to wholesomelifestyleproject.com um, and check out the um, episode, search for the episode title, which will be um, Expanding Your Emotional Skills for Greater Freedom, Success and Joy. And in there, we will share the video um, so that you can follow along. And I will also share Matthew's diagrams um, in the actual post itself in the show notes. Uh, but Matthew, you mentioned that you had um, an assessment that people can take um, to kind of just see where they're at so that they can start making um, empowered choices about their emotional agility. Yes, you can actually, if you go to the home page, at least, well, 
right now that's the case and that there's something that may change in that in the near term but for right now if you go to that and if we change it then i will make sure that that, that i let you know so that you know how to access it but there is a free uh a three-minute version of the emotional agility assessment it will give you a score and i what i will also do is i have some free training that is a foundational starter element that i'm also happy to share uh that you could post in there as well we could we'll give the link so they'll have the yes. link regardless of whether it's still on the home page or not but, yeah, but for now <laughs> that's where that you can easily get it there and okay. that can be a good starting place to be able to kind of see where you are and begin to do something about it if you would like. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's so generous of you. And I think everyone will just gain so much more insight about where to go um, and your resources as well. So I would love for you to actually share the link of your book as well. Um, I didn't actually know that you wrote that book. So I would love to put that into the um, show notes as well, if anyone wants to um, read that. Um, so thank you so much for, for being here today. Um, as with all my guests, I ask um, if you can just share one way in which you appreciate or support your body. When you when you had mentioned that you were going to ask me that, I thought, well, that's a unique question. I, I was thinking, has anyone ever in my life asked me that? Uh, and I think, you know, I if I understand the question correctly, and uh, that I I appreciate it in the my ability to be able to move. I love to go run the stairs that are near here. So I've 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 uh, spent my whole adult life uh, trying to care for myself through exercise through nutrition as well as all the things we're talking about today so that this this physical body can serve me well so i can enjoy life with my wife and um and so that those are i think a few pieces of of things that i do to appreciate my body amazing that sounds lovely and yeah i know um, exercise serves me so well as well you know so thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge i am definitely going to arrange a, another catch-up so we can delve deeper into these discussions uh, but where can people find you matthew <laughs> they can find me at uh on uh, facebook and linkedin they can certainly go to my website at peopleplusperpose.com and uh, I would I would be would love to meet any of you and uh, have any any conversation any way I can be of help. So and I'm so appreciate the opportunity to be on with you still. And I'm so uh, loving the work that you're doing because I see the need being so great. So thank you for all that you do. <laughs> thank you so much. And it's been such a pleasure to have you here. Um, thank you, everyone, for watching and tuning in. I will put Matthew's links and everything we've talked about in the show notes. There'll be so many links in the show notes today because Matthew's just so generous with um, what he wants to share with you. Um, so thanks again, Matthew, for, for being here today. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today and don't forget to share this with all your friends. You can do this by adding this to your Instagram story and tagging me at Wholesome Lifestyle Project or by simply telling them about it. If you could rate and review on whatever platform you are listening, this will go a long way in helping me get this podcast out there so that I can share my message and help as many women out there struggling with food issues as I can. Don't forget, you can follow me on Instagram on Wholesome Lifestyle Projects or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Estelle Heath, and that's where you'll find me on LinkedIn. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.